Hello, Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Castro Files. Hi. Hi. How are you doing tonight? I'm good. How are you? Good. I'm Greg, and that's Beth. And we are the Castro Files podcast. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. We're testing out the mics, we're know, moving them around moving. a little bit. Getting a little comfy here. There you go. What else you got? I got my water. Yep. Because when you talk, you need water. And I got my Hershey Christmas chocolates ready for a scary story sitting right go. here. Nice. We've got. I think we've got some creepy stories for you tonight. So thank you again for joining us. A um, couple things at the top real quick here. Go out, like, and subscribe to the Castro Files channel. Also on YouTube. Also go out and check out. If you like audio versions, we post these out to all of the uh, podcast channels you can get. So iTunes, right. Spotify, all the all the good ones so with that we will jump in again thank you so much i've got an interesting story okay. that's gonna kind of get into how people can take over your social media and pretty much drive you insane Yikes. yeah so what's yours about mine is about an exorcism that leads to a murder see yeah we've got some interesting ones today so yeah, mine okay does come with a little bit of a disclaimer there is some talk about suicide and stuff like that so okay. just want to put that out there if you're um a little sensitive to some stories like that just be aware okay mm -hmm. so i just wanted to throw that out all right so my story again you got to kind of follow along with it a bit okay because it's going to go it's it's from the position of somebody reading or transcribing okay. a story that he gets sent to him from another person. Okay. So we're going to be jumping back and forth. And I'll, as we go through, I'll, pr I'll try my best to kind of label who's talking okay. at that point. So, so this one is out of, again, I'm telling you, Creepypasta has some of the best stories. I don't know why. It's like every time I try and find a cool story out there, a That's new, where you interesting, land. I end up there. Yeah. So, all right. So this one is called The Suicide Engineer, okay. written by Tim Sprague. It starts out with a note. I'm a friend of Andrew Talbot, the man that sent me this recording. I recently received an email from Andrew that contained a recording of his podcast, to my knowledge, that never aired. There is no explanation of there's no explanation as to why he had to had to send it to me. There was just a request that I distribute it. When I tried to call him to find out what was happening, I was unable to get through. The call didn't go to his voicemail. It just beeped twice and hung up each time I tried. Over the last few days, <clears throat> excuse me, over the last few days, I've called multiple times and have gone over to his house twice, but I haven't been able to reach him. Whenever I would try to upload the podcast to a website as requested, there would always be an error message. No matter what I did, I couldn't get it to properly upload. Because of this, I wrote a transcript of the recording so that I could instead distribute that. This is the first time that I've ever done anything like this, so I'm sure that there will be some errors in the formatting. And then he puts a note, Andrew, if you're reading this, please let me know that you're all right. Now we're going to get into Andrew's, the transcription of the actual podcast from Andrew. Okay. It, like I said, it's going to be interspersed with the author's kind of thoughts on this too. Okay. So it's going to be interesting. All right. On April, so Andrew Talbot notes on April 18th, 2022, Carolyn Blake committed suicide. Her body was found when her downstairs neighbor reported water leaking through the ceiling. Thinking that there was a pipe, uh, burst pipe, the landlord had knocked at Caroline's door for nearly 20 minutes to try and gain access to her apartment. It was easier to go in through, through her floor than to go in through the ceiling. Mm -hmm. She didn't answer, 
And after checking with his lawyer that disqualified as an emergency, allowing him to enter without permission, he unlocked the door using his master key and went in to perform, to perform the repair. The landlord discovered her body in the bathroom. She was lying fully clothed in a bathtub with her wrist slit. Oh, no. The water had been left running, and it poured over the side of the tub like a waterfall as it drained into the floor vent and soaked into the floor in the wood trim. I didn't know Carolyn. It's a small town, so I may have passed her in the store or in a store or bumped into her in a restaurant, but I don't remember if something like that did happen. I'd like to say that her death had an effect on the community, maybe holding, maybe people holding a memorial or even asking the town council to improve the way mental health programs were handled to prevent this sort of thing from actually happening again. That's what I'd like to say. What actually happen, happened was, well, nothing. Caroline's death was just a blip on the radar. There was a vast majority of people didn't even register. Hmm. One of the exceptions to this was Ray Karsten. I had known Ray since first grade, and while we had never been particularly close, we had always been on firm, uh, friendly terms. When he called me three days after Caroline's suicide, I quickly agreed to meet, meet him at the d same Denny's that a large group of us had gone to every afternoon or every home basketball game in high school. Now he gets into some clicking. So there's some audible things that are in here that I'm just going to note. Okay. So audible click followed by a short high-pitched beep. Back to Andrew Tate continued. Fuck, I think. Short pause. Andrew Talbot continues. Okay, maybe not. I'm, it might have just been short pause. Andrew Talbot continues. Ray told me that he had known Caroline for a few years. They worked in the same office, and they'd grown particularly close while working on a project that had been assigned to them. One thing led to, to another, and they began a relationship. The problem was that Ray was married, happily married, and he put it, as he put it, I have my doubts about that since, in my experience, happily married people don't, don't tend to have a long-term affair, but that's what he told me. Because of this, he was worried that she might have left something behind that could expose their affair and get back to his wife. At some point, she had introduced him to her mother, and he convinced the elderly woman to let him help, let him help with going through Caroline's things and getting the necessary arrangements made. This had allowed him to rummage through her late, her, her late lover's possessions, his late lover's possessions, rather, with impunity. Her mother had been grateful for the assistance and had thanked him profusely for it, if you can believe it. Ray had managed to check everything except for Caroline's cell phone. It was password protected. So he wasn't able to find out what was on it. That's why he came to me. Short burst of static that cuts off the beginning of the next sentence. Andrew Talbot continues. And I think it says started, started this pod podcast about electronics and technology. I never thought it would lead to an old, two old acquaintances asking me to go through dead people's phones. That's what Ray wanted me to do. He didn't just need me to unlock the phone. That would only have gotten him so far. Caroline had frequented multiple social media platforms and she used dozens of different apps that he knew of. What he needed me needed for me was to go through everything and make sure that all the mentions of their affair were removed. At first, I refused. I was polite about it, but just the thought of doing what he was asking me disgusted me. Mm -hmm. He kept pressing. He told me that he had already wanted to end the affair and that he had planned to do so, but she took her own life before he was able to. He said that if the relationship was exposed, it would hurt, it would hurt not just his wife, but also their two children 
and they didn't deserve to have that happen to them. I eventually relented and agreed to do what he asked under the condition that he give me the phone and not be present while I worked. I'd already started to rationalize things in my head. We're all exceedingly good at doing that when we know what we're doing isn't right, aren't we? I convinced myself that since Ray wouldn't be seeing anything, I would be protecting Caroline's privacy as much as possible. That's a load of bullshit, obviously. I would have acted, I would have actually been protecting it if I'd agreed not to break into her cell phone in the first place. Pause. Andrew Talbot continues. I don't know if I'm about to confess to a crime here. Is it a crime to break into a dead person's phone? Whether it is or not, I'm not going to pretend that it isn't wrong. It absolutely was. It's just, it's just not what's important right now. Andrew Talbot continues. It wasn't hard to unlock the cell phone. All I needed was to hook it up to a computer and use a program that's free and easy to find, uh, free and easy to find if you know where to look. Most people would be surprised at how unsecure their supposedly secure phones are. That goes for the most pieces of technology in this day and age, but you're not here to listen to a lecture on proper tech security, and I'm not here to give one. I wasn't sure where to start looking, so I opened the calendar and began to check appointments and reminders. I didn't find anything that had to do with Ray. I moved into, onto the Notes app and once again came up empty. It wasn't until I started digging through her email that I found something of interest. I probably should have realized that something was off and the inbox was completely empty. Caroline had been dead for three days. Anyone that uses their email for everyday use can tell you that at least one or two spam emails will get past your filter and wind up in your inbox over the course of three days. At that time, I didn't think of it. I was so preoccupied with hurrying up with what I had agreed to do that my critical thinking skills didn't have time to catch up. When I checked the trash, fo the trash folder, I found hundreds, if not thousands, of automated notifications that had been deleted. They were from all corners of social media and content sites, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, and many, many more. Every notification was marked as having been read. I did a bit more digging, and I found that they had all been sent within the span of a week. I picked, a, I picked one at random and opened it. The notification was for, new com, for a new comment on a video that Caroline had posted, and it wasn't flattering to say the least. The poster, screen name Your Girl, Y-R-L-G-R-L, had gone on a rant about how bad the video was and that, we were going, that they were going to be unsubscribing from the channel because of the continued poor content. That's greatly, that's greatly cleaning up the language that was used. The entire post was phrased in such a way that I read it like a personal attack. There was a link to a video in question. I tapped on it and watched the first minute or so of the video. It was a makeup tutorial that Caroline had posted. It wasn't something that I was interested in, but judging by the number of views it had and how many followers she had, it was definitely something that many others enjoyed. Right. Now that I had some context, I scrolled down to the comments to locate the post by your girl to see if other people had replied to it. I found the post, but it wasn't anything like the notification it said. It was instead a glowing review. And it went out of the way to praise Caroline and the content she had provided. That was odd, obviously, but I figured that there had been two posts and the negative one had been deleted. I began to doubt the theory that the theory as I went through more notifications, all of them were bad with many of them bordering on hatefulness. When I would check the platform they were supposedly hosted on, I would always find positive posts. Something very odd was going on. 
I came to the email to an email that was response to the complaint that Caroline had filed with the site administrator about particularly disgusting comment. The administrator had sent back a response saying that they hadn't found any evidence of harassment and they checked to make sure the comment in question hadn't been deleted or edited. They did come back right out and say, they didn't come right out and say it, but it was strongly implied that they believed she was making the entire thing up. She had attached two items to her original email. The first was a copy of the original notification that she had received. The second was a screenshot that she had taken of the comment. The image included a number of other comments as well, all of which were negative. When I tracked down those comments, however, none of them came, contained the same message. Long burst of static. There's a low hum accompanying noise. The sounds, the sounds make Andrew Talbot's speaking impossible to hear until it ends. Andrew Talbert continues, wrote on Facebook, wrote on Facebook about how she was feeling down after the onslaught of negative comments. Her mom, mother and a number of friends replied to the post. All of them basically told her that she had become both a whiner and a disappointment in some extremely colorful language. Oh my Lord. The messages were long and intense, and I felt myself growing more and more skeptical or sympathetic towards Caroline. Nobody deserved the amount of abuse she was receiving, especially from people that she was closest to. I took a break for about an hour. At some point during the process, I had begun to care less about helping Ray Wessel out of, Ray Weasel out of affair, his affair being discovered and more about figuring out just what had caused this avalanche of hatred towards Caroline. None of the pieces, especially the comments seeming, seeming to magically change between negative and positive, seemed to fit into a coherent image. Short burst of static. The humming is slightly louder than previously. Andrew Talbot continues. Listen to it. But I figure that I'd already come this far. I clicked on the voicemail and almost immediately wished I hadn't. What followed was nearly five minute long message from Caroline's mother berating her daughter. It tore into every aspect of her life. There didn't seem to be any line that the woman wouldn't cross. At one particularly horrible point, she stated very matter of factly that she, the only reason that Caroline had been born in the first place was because she hadn't been able to afford to terminate the pregnancy after becoming pregnant Lord. from the man other than Caroline's father. I only imagined to get through or managed to get through half of it before I stopped the playback. I couldn't stomach any more of that. The second voicemail was from Ray. She had received it less than an hour after getting her mother's voicemail. If the first message hadn't sickened me, this one made my blood boil. In a very condescending tone, he proceeded to talk about every flaw he saw in her great saw in her in great detail. He tore into everything from her intelligence to her looks to even her lovemaking skills. It was brutal to listen to. It was also almost a relief when he finally declared that the relationship was over and hung up the phone. I was reaching for my phone even before the recording had ended. Friend, friendship be damned. I wasn't going to help someone that could, that could be that cruel to another human being. The number was entered and my thumb was over the call button when I thought, when I thought made me pause. Ray told me that he'd been getting ready to break off his relationship with Carolyn when he when she had committed suicide according to the voicemail he had left though he'd already done so why did he lied to me about that there didn't seem to be any point to it he had been feeling guilty about his message about the had he been feeling guilty about this message having possibly contributed contributed to her taking her own life i thought back to the mysteriously changing online messages i was starting to think maybe long pause like the long pausing pulsing sound like the 
flow of electricity, there are quiet whisper-like noises in the background. Andrew Talbot continues, I found that Caroline had been downloaded, had downloaded an audio file that day before her death. A woman's voice, quiet and level, played from the phone speaker while I when I tapped on the file took me a few seconds to realize that I was listening to an autonomous sensory meridian response recording also known as much as the much less taxing way to say ASMR. Have you ever heard of those? Mm -mm. So it's when somebody talks into the microphone real calm and real quiet, like, and it's to literally put you into a phase. I'm going to tell you about that here in a second. For those who don't know what that is, it's basically voices and sounds that are recorded in such a way as to elicit a physical response from people. You know the odd tingling sensation you get sometimes in your head? ASMR, ASMR recordings are supposed to trigger that. A lot of people... A lot more than you probably think you use ASMR videos on YouTube or audio recordings to relax and even fall asleep. They don't work for everyone, but many people swear by them and use them as part of their everyday routine. After the stress that is all of a sudden negative of all of the sudden negativity in her life must have caused her it was no wonder that Caroline had looked for something to help relieve it. Rather than try to explain the recording on her phone, I'd like to play a portion of it. I can't play it here, obviously, for right. this podcast. A quick warning, there's some questionable content in it. Um, so if that sort of thing bothers you, I'd recommend skipping ahead until you're past it. If I'm able to get this posted, I'll try to leave markers on the timeline so you know when it's over. Here it is. I'm not going to reveal the name of the person who made it or the source it was downloaded from for reasons that will be extremely obvious in just a bit. Recorded content begins playing It's a woman's voice, barely above a whisper. Woman's voice. Sometimes it's best to take a step back, take a deep breath, and try to let go of all the stress that you're feeling. I know that life can be hard sometimes, and we will all, we all possess, we all have our personal crosses to bear. It can feel like you're being overwhelmed, like you're being smothered. It's important to remember that there are always people that you can turn to when you need comfort and reassurance. Now it goes to a whisper, barely audible. Whispers barely audible begin in the background. Woman's voice. Sometimes we need to ask ourselves, what what would we do if we didn't have those incredibly important people in our lives? Imagine how lonely that would be if everyone in in your life had turned against you. What would you do? I think that if everyone was turning against me, I'd need to take a good hard look at myself. All of those people couldn't be wrong. What did they know that I didn't? What was so wrong with me that I invited such disdain and hatred? There would have been something for everyone to act that way. How about you? Have you ever experienced all of your friends and family turning their backs on you? If so, did you look deep inside yourself and figure out why you were so repellent to others? I think that if it was me, I would just decide to, I would have to decide if people that I cared about were better off with or without me. After all, Is my one life more important than the happiness of all the others? No, of course not. I love my family and friends. I want them to be happy much more than I want myself to be happy. If my being gone was, was that was what would make them happy. Then wouldn't it be better for everyone if I just, and then it stops. Final word is louder than distorted woman's voice dead. Recording ends. Andrew Talbert comes back on. There's more, a lot more, but I'm sure you're, 
you get the idea. I'm also sure that you know where this is leading. I tracked down the site that Caroline had downloaded the ASMR recording from. When I played it there, it was nothing like the version she had downloaded. It was instead focused on something called Reiki, which I'm not familiar with, but it was clearly not something sinister. In the downloads folder, I also found a copy of a recent bank statement from her online account. It showed that her account had contained a decent savings until a week before Caroline's death. At that point, it had gone to zero. The change in the balance was listed as a teller withdrawal. It was a lot of money to have taken out in a single transaction. Because of everything that I had come across so far, I was immediately suspicious. I went through the phone's call history for the data, for the date she had downloaded the document, and discovered that she had made a call to the customer service number at the bottom of the statement. The call had lasted for over an hour. It seemed to me that Caroline hadn't been the person that emptied her account. And when she checked her account and seen, and seen that it was empty, she had called the bank to get it corrected. In her final days, Caroline had been under assault mentally, emotionally, and financially. It must have been hell. This assault had obviously been engineered. It just couldn't be see. I just couldn't see how that would ha have been possible. Online posts on major social media platforms that appeared one way to someone, but completely different to everyone else. Audio recordings that were magically different for one download. And the bank withdrawal had been a teller withdrawal, meaning that someone had to go into the physical bank location and take the money out of her account. How could that have happened? That wasn't even getting that wasn't even getting into the voicemails. As someone who has regularly has to regularly do a lot of research in the tech industry, I knew that the message I re and recordings change recording changes should have been impossible. It would have technically been impossible to target a single system like that, in this case a cell phone, but to do it in real time, that's where it crossed into a realm of fantasy. Even if there was a way to do it, it would have required a lot of manpower. A huge conspiracy against a small town government employee didn't make any sense. A combination of distorted, static, and loud whispers, louder whispers than previous, the, the whispers are in an unrecognizable language. Andrew Talbot continues. One by one, I went through all the apps on Carolyn's phone. I had completely abandoned the original plan of getting rid of the references to the, her affair with Ray. Instead, I was now solely searching for, the, for other signs that her life and well-being had tampered, been tampered with. There were a number of things that I had found that I would have dismissed as unimportant <coughs> if I hadn't specifically been looking for oddities. For example, her latest Instagram posts had significantly less interactions than her previous ones, to the point where there might as well have been nothing at all. The same went for her TikTok account. And we all know TikTok accounts. You can have a terrible TikTok. <laughs> you still get stuff. Yep. Yeah. Most concerning was that I started to see a pattern emerging on social media apps as well. This is where it gets weird. All of her content suggestions <laughs> on Netflix and HBO Max were depressing stories or contained characters that committed suicide. I tried clicking on a few of Caroline's previously watched movies and shows that weren't suggest that that weren't these suggestions, but each time an error message would pop up saying that the content wasn't currently available. And to try again later, the suggested so suggested shows, however, would instantly start playing. Then it goes more distorted static and louder whispers. This time the whispers are in English and repeat the words one way over and over. Andrew Talbot continues. I finally ran out of apps to check with the exception of one. I had been purposefully avoiding it. 
During the hours I'd been going through Carolyn's phone, I'd been invading her privacy. As I've, as I've said already, it wasn't right, and I, it's not something that I'm proud of having done. The last app would take the invasion of privacy one step further. It was a feed and recordings from her home security systems. I forced myself to click on the app. There was no doubt in my mind Caroline had been targeted and pushed over and over again until she had finally taken her own life. I needed to collect every bit of evidence that I could turn that I could and turn it all over to the police. I'd probably get in trouble for what I had done, but it was worth it to have the authorities look into whomever had done this to her. There were only three camera footage recordings listed on the app. Each one had, had each one had a time and date stamp, and all of them were listed as having been captured when the motion sensor was triggered. All of them were within a few days of Caroline's suicide. Taking a deep breath, I started the first recording. <clears throat> it showed a woman in her mid, mid to late 30s walking towards the camera. The shot was at an odd angle, and it took me a couple of seconds to realize I was watching footage from the doorbell camera. I recognized the woman as Caroline from her social media pictures. She stopped a few feet from the camera and dug out, uh, dug around in her pocketbook for before producing a set of keys. As she did so, her face tilted at an angle that allowed me to see the dark circles under her eyes. She looked exhausted. She found the key that she was looking for and inserted it into the lock. When she went to turn it, however, she struggled to do so. She fought with the lock at, for a moment before stepping back and looking at the key she was holding. It was now broken. She start, stared at it blankly before f her face screwed up in anger and she threw it to the ground. She leaned forward and placed her head against the door. It was hard to tell from the angle, but I thought she was crying. I felt horrible for her. She was being put through so much and was clearly wearing her down. I couldn't imagine what it would be like to go through something like that. The second recording was completely black and it was impossible to see anything on it. I assumed that there was some sort of error but there was still audio. Either the camera hadn't properly recorded, it was just too dark for the camera to illuminate. I could hear a series of odd whispers that were too faint to make out words. There were also a humming noise that I couldn't identify. If you're still with me at this point, I'm hoping that, you, that means that you understand that this isn't some sort of elaborate joke or prank. I, I get how this sounds. It's about to sound a lot worse. If you're already think I'm crazy, you're about to hear something that's going to set in stone, set that in stone in your mind. If you if you don't think that, you probably will soon. More distorted static. It's louder this time. A high-pitched mechanical voice says the words end all. Third and final recording was from a camera in a hallway. It was angled so that the it was pointing through the open doorway. This was Caroline's bedroom. The bed could be seen on the right side of the opening, and to the left was a small table or desk with an open laptop on it. The image was that was that odd what black and white that you get when security cameras in night vision mode. According to the timestamp, the recording was taking place at 2.54 a.m. the morning of Caroline's suicide. A long moment of heavy breathing with nothing else in the background. The thing came into the room from the left side of the bedroom. It leaned down from the top portion. And at first I thought it was extremely tall. But that wasn't the case though. I'm going to try and describe it. I'm sorry if I don't make a lot of sense while I'm doing so. Every time I've tried to do so feels like the limits of English language make it impossible to do so properly. 
It was being lowered by thin, sinuous tendrils. The creature itself. <laughs> Fuck, how do I put this? It was only a few inches wide, but it was the height of a person. It was like the head and body were just a mass covering, uh, covering being manipulated by tendrils rather than an actual figure. Three arm-like appendages reached out towards the bed, each ending in a thin, delicate strands that acted like fingers. Because of the circumstances of the recording, with it being so dark and the low resolution of the camera's night vision, it was difficult to make out any further details. I was thankful for that. The creature slowly pulled the blanket off the bed. It released its grip and allowed the cloth to fall to the floor. One of the appendages slowly stretched out through the open door and into the hallway. The fingers touched the thermostat attached to one of the walls and turned the dial all the way to the left. The appendage retracted, and the creature pulled back up out of sight. Minutes passed as the recording continued. I started to wonder if anything else was going to happen when a pair of legs swung down over the side of the bed, with Caroline getting out of bed, her arms folded tightly over her chest as she visibly shivered. She went out into the hallway and checked the thermostat, turning it back to where it had been before, before the creature had adjusted it. She put her put a hand on the wall and leaned against it for a minute, for a minute, for a moment. She looked like she was about to collapse from exhaustion. She gathered herself and went back into the bedroom, picking up the blanket before getting back into bed. The recording ended. Didn't see that coming, did you? Nope. Extremely loud and quick burst of static. I watched it back. I don't know how many times it was. I just kept replaying it over and over again. No matter how many times I watched it, I just couldn't force myself to expect uh, to accept it. Not really. I'm trying to figure out how to put this in, in a way that really explains how I was feeling. It was like being in a car accident. When it happens, you know intellectually that you were just in a collision. The evidence is right there in front of you. The twisted metal, the broken glass, the smell of smoke. Even when you're staring right at the wreckage, though, there's this weird disconnect that doesn't allow you to grasp what's just happened to you. That was what I was experiencing while I watched the security video camera footage on loop. I'm not sure what viewing I was on when I began to question why it was even happening at all. Why is this creature pulling off a blanket and adjusting a thermostat? It just seemed juvenile. Something on the same level as a college prank. I probably should have put it together faster than I did, but my mind was still reeling. It wasn't the actions themselves that were important. It was the result. The creature was depriving Caroline of sleep. That was the last component it needed to push her past her breaking point. The creature had made sure all roads led to her taking her own life. A series of ticking noises, like the sound of a clock ticking, but slightly distorted. Andrew Talbot continues, I haven't taken any of this to, to the police. That was my original intention, and I... And I would if I thought it would do any good. The problem is none of this can be corroborated. I have what some screenshots and its sites and the, that the sites themselves said were accurate and a couple of grainy videos. From their perspective, I would just be the nut job podcast host that's using a traffic tragic event to drum up interest for a show. This is when Caroline Blake's story comes to an end. It's unfortunately not where the story as a whole does. 24 hours ago, I found out that Ray Carson committed suicide. A single gunshot wound to the right temple. The moment before the, the trigger... Was having an affair with? Yeah. Okay. The moment before... I'm sorry. The moment before the trigger was pulled, he was there. And the moment after, he wasn't. I called his wife to offer my condolences. We got to talking, and I don't know if it was the grief or something 
some need to get it off her chest or what, but she told me that the day before he died, a woman had shown up on their doorstep while Ray was at work. The woman had presented her with a stack of pictures and email record records showing in great detail that Ray had been having an affair. That same woman had then identified herself as Caroline Blake. She was already dead. It didn't take a genius to go to put two and two together. The creature from the security footage had gone after Ray and it had once again been successful. It passed from her to him. This morning, I woke up to a text on my phone alerting me that my checking account was overdrawn. Thousands of dollars were just gone. I also received notice that this po- that my podcast is currently suspended while it's being investigated for violating terms of con- terms and conditions of hosting site of the hosting site. It's my turn to be targeted. I'm hoping that because I actually know what's happening, I'll be able to get through what's about to come my way. That's what I hope. There's no way of knowing what plan the suicide engineer has for me. Static with the same ticking noise as before, the noise goes on for some time before the recording ends. That's how it fucking ends? Sorry, excuse my mouth. <laughs> yeah. What it's do making you think? my eye twitch. Wow, <laughs> is that a real story? No. No? You hope Thank not. God. I um, hope not. Well, it's funny because like I wrote down when all those posts were happening and mm-hmm. shit, I was like, wife, question mark, question mark. Like, did Charity know about the affair? That is a really good story. Right. Creepy. So I, it's hard to find like some, some photos of like things coming out of this, uh, out of the ceiling, but yeah. I tried to do my best. So we've got one here and I, this is a pretty famous picture. If you've seen it before, if you're into paranormal stuff at all, it's literally like a family photo from like back in the day. And this is on film, right? And you see like some sort of distortion, but it's an ups- dude hanging upside, upside down. down from the ceiling. Right? Interesting. Just a weird one. Then we've got another one here of it's a me. creepy monster girl on, on the, the ceiling. ceiling. So, you know, I mean, anything that crawls on the ceiling, right? That's in human a shape form. Yeah, like doing those creepy form. walk, yeah. crawl yeah. Nope. kind of things. Now pass. And then you may or may not have seen this one before. This one is... Literally hands coming out of the ceiling. I think that's from a movie or some scene from a movie or something like that. I don't know if I've seen that. Before. But I, either way. That was a really, really, really good story. Like, yeah. I'm creeped out. <laughs> I got It gives you the chills. Like, yeah. Because <laughs> at first I thought it was real. And I'm like, how the heck are they doing? That? Like, right? how are they changing this stuff? Exactly. Wow. So that's, that's I don't want to follow up on that. That was good. <laughs> uh, you got a good one, I'm sure. But that's the interesting part about it. It's like, what happens if... what? What if like some sort of demon or something could get into your social media, could adjust all of those things, but only you. You're the only one getting the bad ones. Right. Only you are the one that's impacted by it. Right. Like the stuff that's really on the social media page. It's just like in your brain and you're reading it wrong and your brain's taking it out of context. Why is it doing this to people? I don't know. It got her though, right? It got apparently and Ray got Ray, Ray too, and we don't know if it and got we don't the know podcast Andrew dude. either. So um, yeah, that's so. crazy. Glad that was a good it. one. Good, I'm glad you liked it. That was a really good one. That's gonna freak people out a little bit, I think. <laughs> good. <clears throat> well, I'm gonna try to follow up on that one. You've got a good one. You've got some interesting. Right, yours see. is kind of real though, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yours is a real story. Mine is real. Mine is about the um, micro the Michael Taylor possession. Okay. Um, it is from a book called Ghost Stories, uh, True Crimes and Paranormal uh, Cases. So <clears throat> I'll start with a little little, uh, little paragraph of just entrance or uh, 
Setting the stone. Okay. Yeah. Setting the stone. Setting, setting the, the stage. stage. Uh, while talk and arguments of insanity and emotional instability are always there with stories of demonic encounters, Ouija, bo- uh, Ouija boards are not. Sometimes unfortunate individuals come under a perceived demonic influence without ever meddling with unknown forces from the other side. Such people don't play with Ouija boards or dark games. They never ask for trouble, but affliction befalls them anyways. This terrible fate would fall on one Michael Taylor, whose story has since become possibly the UK's most infamous case of alleged possession, coupled with a horrific murder. The the incidences occur during the 1970s in a small and serene town of Osset in West Yorkshire. The population numbered less than 20,000 people who lived in the very peaceful and saved and mostly Christian English community. Nobody could have ever dreamed that the town would be shaken to its core by savagery in 1974. The vast majority, the vast majority of accounts, Michael Taylor was a mild manner and instead, I'm sorry, and instead of, let me try that sentence again. <laughs> the vast majority of accounts, Michael Taylor was a mild mannered and instead of the amiable member of the community. It said instead, but I think it meant steadfast, but um, he okay. never got into trouble with anybody in town. His life wasn't without its downturns, however, as his long-standing injury brought him reoccurring pain and difficulties with finding a job. Besides those few hardships, Michael led a relatively healthy, normal family life and fathered five children with his wife, Christine. They were known by their neighbors to be a functional, happy family. The community also perceived Michael and his wife as not being all that religious despite their environment. While the majority of the townspeople regularly attended church, the Taylors visited less frequently. Things soon, uh, things took a turn soon when one of Michael's friends talked him into trying and engaging with a g- local church group. This select group was organized and led by a charismatic young Marie Robinson, also a preacher at her age of 21. It didn't take long for Michael to develop an interest and start frequently frequenting the group's meetings and other activities. Over time, he appeared to become more and more devout, with some speculating that his dedication may have been more to the girl rather than the faith. The church group held somewhat strange beliefs and performed all sorts of unique rituals, including particular forms of exorcisms, which Michael readily attended. Some of Marie's preaching concerned what she was some, some of Marie's preaching concerned what she described and perceived as the evil power of the moon. Sometimes Michael would be away from home all night, and many saw this as inappropriate, especially his wife. Yeah. Taylor's environment also began to change due to shifts in his behavior and over, uh, overall attitude. It was much unlike him, but Michael neglected his family and expressed a fair bit of neg- negativity towards them. He appeared to be much more prone to frustration and anger outbursts at and away from the home. Michael espoused very particular convictions growing increasingly irritable and erratic and showed more and more that he may be obsessed with Marie Robinson. Both the neighbors and his wife started to notice that Michael was changing from the balanced kind family man that they knew to something else. That something else appeared more sinister and unhinged by the day. And Christine grew increasingly, increasingly suspicious that the church group and especially Marie were detrimental were a detrimental influence on Michael. Christine suspected that her husband and Marie were engaged in an affair. Sounds pretty close to it, right? Right. Excuse me. Christine would not stand for this any longer, so she confronted her husband 
and tested her suspicions. She did this during one of the group's gatherings in front of everyone, openly accusing her husband of being unfaithful with Marie, which immediately sparked an incident. It was as if something foreign to all those who knew him overpowered Michael and sent him into a bout of range. This outburst of aggression was directed at me at Marie Robinson herself, however, without even addressing his wife's accusations. Reportedly, other members of the group had to bring Michael under control as it appeared he was about to insult Marie physically. Assault her. Mm-hmm. Isn't that what I said? I thought you said insult. Yeah. No, assault her. <laughs> <clears throat> Marie later explained that Michael turned into something un- unrecognizable at that moment, and she was terrified that he might kill her. But she and the entire group let bygones be bygones the next day, and they all forgave Michael, who claimed to have absolutely no recollection of the moment he lashed out. None of this was anywhere near the worst that would happen, though, and the bizarre change in Michael's character appeared only to escalate as time went on. <clears throat> Excuse me. Those around him believed that he had somehow come under the influence of one of them or more of the demons. It was agreed upon to conduct an exorcism on October 5th of 1974. The exorcism was to be performed in a local church in the next town of Barnsley by two priests, Peter Vincent and Raymond Smith. And I have a picture of them if you want to call that up. Is it the one with the article? Uh, it's got three, uh, three pictures of like really grainy. Nope. Yeah, that's fine. <clears throat> nope. Yep. There yep. we go. Um, uh, let's see. The exorcism itself was to be another horrific episode in Michael's life that would go on through the entire night and into the next morning. <clears throat> As the ministers began their ritual, Michael immediately transcended any notion of normal human behavior. His body would shake and spasm uncontrollably, and he would get violent. Michael was besides himself, and he cursed and attacked the ministers, trying to scratch and bite them as if he were a wild animal. After a while of struggling to control him, the ministers tied Michael down to continue with the exorcism. Throughout the night, priests put crucifixes in his mouth and used copious amounts of holy water during the ritual. As the ordeal went on, Michael kept trying to break free and attack his exorcists. At one point, the priest became convinced that Michael was possessed by 40 different demons, representing all manners of human depravity. By morning hours, the, pri- the priests believe that they successfully banished the majority of those demons, while, some, uh, while demons of insanity, murder, and rage thought to hold over the man still. That's where I'm Couldn't like... they get rid of those ones? I mean, they got rid of all of them. I guess those it's a ones. long night's work, right, when you're getting rid of the majority of demons. Right. Uh, But if, okay, so I'll come back to this. The exorcists were at the end of their wits by this time, which is why they concluded the ritual the next day. The situation reportedly did not sit well with Raymond's, uh, did not sit well with Raymond Smith's wife saying God spoke to her at that moment, warning her that Michael's demon of killing would make him murder his wife, Christine. The priests struck, uh, the priests stuck to their decision though. And Michael and Christine went home to recuperate for tomorrow's trials. Just a couple hours after they got home, the ter- terrible omen became fulfilled when Michael brutally murdered his wife in their home. The killing was all, sage of, uh, was all shades of gruesome and atrocious. He first strangled Christine to kill her, after which he mutilated her. The poor woman's eyes gouged out, her tongue cut out, and most of her face was removed or disfigured in the savage attack. After inflicting these unspeakable horrors upon his wife, Michael killed the family dog in no less brutal murder brutal manner after which he dismembered the body 
Luckily, the children were left untouched, and Michael promptly left the house. He went out into the street naked and drenched in blood, dragging himself around town, staggering, shouting out loud that the blood on his body was that of Satan. Michael soon ran into the police, which apprehended him on the spot and went to investigate the home, where they faced the sickening crime scene that he'd committed. <clears throat> the town of Osset and the, count and, the and the country far beyond were shocked by what had transpired. The demonic slaying caught a lot of attention and sparked a lot of debate about many aspects of the case and later trial. Michael claimed that demonic forces were ruling over him, and he explained that the murder was merely non-existent in his memory, much like the incident at the church. He even believed that his late wife was taken hold by an evil outside force. People threw a lot of blame and theories ranging from Michael's mentally ill all the way to the folks believing he was possessed. Peter Vincent, who received a lot of criticism for his exorcism ritual, struck to his, uh, stuck to his belief that demons were at work. The church group that Michael became heavily invested in labeled as being a very cult-like, and many people pointed to their particular views and rituals. In contrast, other cast the blame on the exorcism exclusively. So, a lot of finger pointing going yeah. on. Yeah. <clears throat> the majority of people seem to conclude that this was a case of religious fanaticism and paranoia feeding into each other throughout Michael's community, ultimately pushing him over the edge. The killer, struck the killer stuck to his story, though, and he was found not guilty and declared both clinically and legally insane, which landed him, hold on, which landed him in a facility for the criminally insane. He stayed at two institutions, uh, and that would, they would last just four years. What? However... Before he was released. So two institutions for a total time of four years before he was released. Because he was cured. He wasn't insane anymore, as I guess. As fate would have it, Michael was apprehended again as recently as in 2005 and charged with sexual, sexual harassment. Once again, severe punishment eluded him and Michael spent three, year, three more years in treatment and community services. This is little information on what became of him after that. This case still remains one of British's most notorious cases of alleged demonic possession, which is still up for debate. Was Michael drawn to kill by the cult influence, insanity, or actual demons? This thought will remain a mystery locked deep down in his warped mind for the most part. Whatever the cause was, the friendly family man that Michael, Michael's community once knew was gone. Yeah. Well, I, a couple things that I'm like, okay, so... Do you so think the cult thing... Like brainwashed him. So a couple of things I think about perhaps. the whole things. Either that, or if they were doing exorcisms, perhaps he got the spirit. They went because you know they always say they jump to another body. Something. So maybe they were jumping to his body. Hmm. Or he's just. I I do have some like if they knew he was still possessed and specifically possessed with what it say it said the kill kill one killer um, one the yeah. yeah but they they laid like the. The really bad ones, yeah. I guess. I mean, aren't they all uh, bad? I, but I would think the, the demons they bad. banished the majority, while demons of insanity, murder, and rage thought to hold over the man still. Like, if you know he's possessed with them, why would you send him home and not, like, put him in the hospital for the or night? Or tie him to a bed and finish or up that afternoon. keep him with you, yeah. you know? So, um, so I think that's why the priests... Be what became under some speculation and harassment because they shouldn't have let them go home, especially when the priest's wife was the one that told her God said he was going to murder his wife. And lo and behold, he murdered his wife. I'm just saying. Um, and to think that he only served four years in like a, 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 a hospital for the mentally insane. insane. Um, 
before he got out. This was the 70s, 60s well, and 70s. Well, he got out so. in 2000. Well, he got out after four years. So that would have been like the Probably 70s, 80s. Something. We'll say we'll say early 80s at the mm-hmm. latest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. this was uh, 70. Did say 74? 70. 70, okay. 74. So, yeah. Uh, see, yeah, 74 is when it started. So he got out in 78, 79. That was, those were the days, man. Yeah. And know. then several years, like 20, 2005, yeah. uh, sexual harassment, which, I mean, it's a vast, huge difference from demonic possession and, and murder. your wife. Um, but you would think that had been like, okay, well, you already murdered somebody and now you're sexually I mean, harassing like someone. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, maybe we should go a little stricter. So you got a couple um, more pictures I do. Here. I have some pictures of um, actually... Him. So I think is it this one? Yes. So that is um that is what he looks like now. The one on the right. This is sorry. The one it's on clipped. the right. It's yeah. just how the one on the right, and that is actually that picture of him screaming is I think pictures they being... took during the exorcism because that was there were several pictures of him like that, and being then the last exercise right. Uh, the last one is a picture of the news article, uh, and it's got a picture of him and his wife. Yeah, very interesting. So you can go out and find this yeah. this story out online. Yeah, you could literally just um, Google uh, Michael Taylor possession. It'll come and up. it, yeah, there's a lot of um, very interesting. stories told about it on the internet. Very so. interesting, honey. See, that was a good one. Yeah, not Absolutely. as good as yours. Yours was really good and Yeah, creepy. but yours is real. Yeah. Well, Hopefully uh, the one I told Hopefully yours is not real. real. Yeah, you don't want yeah. It's kind of like those ghosts in the uh, phone kind of things. And it's funny because one thing I didn't say was I wrote down, I was like, wait, were those weird sounds? It was like in the, in the recording, recording yeah. that he could podcast. hear, but the guy couldn't hear while he was recording the podcast. Yeah. So I don't know. Yours is really good. Still giving me goosebumps. <laughs> well, good deal. Thank you very yeah, much, honey. I think I'm going to have to step my game up because yours is really good. Just keep finding. We'll keep telling good <laughs> stories. It's all good. That was a great one. Again, thank you so much for tuning in tonight, this afternoon, whenever you're watching this. Um, also, again, please hit the like and subscribe buttons if you don't mind. Share the podcast with other people, too. It's yeah. always great. So you can find well, it out. Let's get out there on the castro files and you can even find it out on the bars open with beth and greg so with that we will catch you next time take care have a great week guys Bye. bye